Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Congratulations, you're a meathead, son. But you know what? Don't ever put your hands in my underwear. This is the lamb Where's the lamb yeah, I mean, you really don't make friends around here, do you? I... I didn't come here for that. Hi everyone, welcome back to Snap Back to Reality, the podcast dedicated to the trash TV we grew up with and love to hate. I'm your host, Riley Ennis, and this is episode 40. Welcome everyone, welcome back. Um, thank you all so much for bearing with me last week since I missed, kind of unexpectedly, putting out an episode. Yeah, things had just been a little bit... Um, crazy the weekend before that episode was supposed to come out I had a Friendsgiving that I hosted a Friendsgiving like birthday party thing um so I just was so busy all that weekend kind of getting prepared and then getting cleaned up from that and kind of just like resting a little bit after all of that social interaction so I didn't get a chance to put something out um probably for the best honestly because I was also kind of in a bit of a funk all last week I think a little bit of seasonal affective disorder plus like my birthday happening last week and just like in the middle of the week on a Tuesday it just kind of being like an awkward kind of birthday um just kind of put me in a funk and I wasn't really productive so it was probably for the best that I wasn't scrambling to put out like another episode and I already had something kind of on the back burner that I knew would be fairly easy. So thank you all once again for sticking with me through that. Um, Hopefully you all enjoy today's episode. I think I had some more time to really like think about what I wanted to talk about on this episode. So hopefully you'll all enjoy this a lot. Um, Also, this is a little bit unusual for me, but I am recording currently on my lunch break in my car. Uh, I'm going to have to like record a little bit, probably break this episode up into like a couple of parts um, where I record as much as I can right now and then pick back up at home tonight once I get off work. But I did want to go ahead and try and get as much done as I could. So hopefully it won't sound disjointed that I'm going to take a few hour break in between recording sessions but like, you know, I'm I'm just honest and authentic about my process, so this is what I'm doing right now. So if you're hearing this on the day that it drops, which is Tuesday the 26th of November, that means that Thanksgiving in America is going to happen in two days on Thursday the 28th. So happy Thanksgiving if you celebrate it. Um... In addition to it being Thanksgiving, like, month, (laughs) November is also Native American Heritage Month. So if you are um, someone who lives in North America, especially someone who lives in the United States, I highly encourage you to look up where... um, like whose land you're on basically there's a an app that you can use called native lands i think it's like native-lands.ca you can um see like all of north america what uh different tribal nations are traditionally the stewards of that land. I know that in North Carolina, um, I live on what is Catawba Nation land. Um, Just something that I encourage everyone to do, uh, especially if you do celebrate Thanksgiving, because the history of Thanksgiving is really fucked up, actually, if you look into it. And it's the least that we can do to make sure that we're also acknowledging the histories of the people who lived on this land for thousands of years before Europeans ever got here. All right, now that I'm off my little my little social justice moment, um, if you do celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. If you're traveling to see your friends or your family, I hope that you get there safely without any inconveniences or delays. Um, just drive safe, be safe, everyone. It's a huge travel time, so I know that it can be frustrating, but I'm I'm with you in spirit. <laughs> um, I am going to try and put an episode out 
next week. So I have Thursday off for Thanksgiving, which is nice. Um, I'm not planning on going anywhere because I do have to work Wednesday and Friday, but those should both be pretty chill days at work. But since I have to work the day before and after, it doesn't really make sense to leave anywhere to go for Thanksgiving. So I do just have some time off this week. So hopefully I can get everything done that I want to for the episode that I'd like to put out next week. If everything goes according to plan, that should also be with a guest. Uh, Kelsey, if you're listening to this, that means you. Um, But yeah, it'll be... It'll hopefully everything will go according to plan. I'll have something next week. And then I may take that that break that I've been talking about for like a month. Um, I did at least finally get to watch some of Great British Bake Off this past week since I had a little a little time to do that. Um, I'm almost no, I did finish the the most recent season last night. So that's very exciting. Um, I love me some GBBO. uh, And then hopefully I'll have some other time to get more Netflix watched before I have to cancel that. That's thing. I'm sad. I really don't want to cancel Netflix, but I really need to like get my budget in order and like really get my spending accounted for. And then if I have some extra money in my budget, then I'll need to like reinstall Netflix or whatever. All right. I think that's it as far as the housekeeping for this week. I don't think I have any other announcements or things that I want to talk about. Um, So let's get on with the show. So I promised you guys a good episode this week to make up for the lack of having one last week on my birthday, which I I did want to put out a birthday episode, but I think it'll be better to just have, have this now. Cause like I said, I had some time to really think about what I wanted to talk about. Um, we are talking about what is probably my favorite reality show, just point blank period, probably my favorite show point blank period, maybe not as much now, but definitely for a significant period of my life there, this was my go-to show, my number one, like my biggest obsession, my biggest love. Um, we are talking about RuPaul's Drag Race. I am, I'm so excited. I have so much to talk about. I really hope I remember everything that I want to say. Um, I, I wrote notes, obviously, I always write notes, but I also feel like I'm probably just going to go off a lot of my own knowledge without any notes. Um, I Well, let's get into my background, and then you'll know why I know so much. So to get into the background of me watching RuPaul's Drag Race, I really have to go into like the background of how I even got into drag, I guess. So I think I've mentioned I went to the University of Florida, and every spring semester there is Pride Awareness Month. And as part of Pride Awareness Month, the Pride Student Union puts on a drag show. It's a huge drag show. They always bring in, like, some amazing queens that have been on RuPaul's Drag Race. There's also a lot of local talent. It's always a lot of fun. So it was my sophomore year of college. I was spring semester. Um, they were having the drag show and some of my friends wanted to go. I had never been, I think I'd been to one single drag show before in my life, like a year or two prior to that, like when I had first turned 18, but I'd never gone to like a big drag show. The, the one that I'd seen was like in a very small college town, like my, my then boyfriend, now husband's like college town in like the middle of like BFE, South Carolina. So, you know, it was like cool, but it wasn't like amazing, incredible, like mind blowing drag. So this was, like, my first real big, like, produced drag show. I went with a couple of friends, and I remember, um, I remember it had Willem for sure. Willem was, like, the host, and then it had Carmen Carrera for sure, and I don't remember who else was there. They didn't really make as much of an impact on me, unfortunately. Um, I remember Carmen Carrera, like, blowing my mind. I don't know if, I think at this point she probably would have already come out as trans. Spoiler alert, Carmen Carrera is trans, if you didn't know. Um, so I don't know 
I think she probably already was out as trans, but obviously she was still performing drag. And her whole, like, drag aesthetic is just, like, naked drag. Like, she just strips down. She puts a little, like, fig leaf over her genitals. And then she does her thing and just prances. And she looks amazing. Like, the body is always right. She always looks incredible. And this was something that, like, when I was first... Now I'm, like, not as into the fishy body body yaddy yaddy nude kind of drag so I'm kind of just like okay like whatever it doesn't take that much artistry in my opinion as compared to some of the others who are doing like costumes or just like huge elaborate like looks and fashions and things like that but being new to whole like all of drag in general I was like shook to my core I was so impressed I was so just mesmerized by Carmen Carrera and how beautiful she was and how good her body looked and I was just like I didn't understand where she like put everything like I truly thought like I just was blown away by her um so I got really obsessed with just like drag in general I thought it was super cool and I knew that I wanted to watch RuPaul's Drag Race um so fast forward probably like a month or so after that I studied abroad in Russia that summer. So I ended my spring semester. I had like 10 days off and then I went to Russia. Um, and so while I was in Russia, I had a lot of downtime. Um, I didn't really like to go out all that much. I had a ton of classmates who went out all the time, like every single night, but that just wasn't my scene. I didn't ever really love drinking all that much. So I spent a lot of time just like hanging out alone in my dorm room And I was also, like, kind of lonely. I missed my boyfriend. I was going through, like, some friendship issues because the girl who I was supposed to room with in Russia, who was also going to be my roommate when we, like, moved back, like, when we went to um, school in the fall for, like, my junior and senior year, or at least my junior year, uh, she was supposed to be our roommate. Well, we kind of got into, like, a little bit of a friendship issue, like a falling out. Um, It only got worse as time went on. (laughs) That's another whole story, like, about what I went through living with her my junior year, but that's not what this is about. So anyway, I was just kind of lonely. Um, and so I just watched, like, I was like, let me, let me just look up RuPaul's Drag Race. Let me see. So I started with season three because I knew that was a season that Carmen Carrera was on. And again, like I was obsessed with her and I watched seasons three, four, and five. And five had been the one that had most recently like aired and finished. I probably watched season five, like with only a few weeks after it had finished airing. I didn't realize Um, And I really, really loved it. I didn't watch Untucked, which is like the companion show that goes along with it. I'll go into that if you don't, if you're not aware, um, when I go more into the background of the show itself. Uh, I just watched the main show. I loved it. I was obsessed with it. I was like, (laughs) it's so funny, like watching, rewatching it because I was like, super super team Carmen Carrera when I watched it the first time and now like whenever I go back and rewatch these seasons I don't really have like an investment on who's gonna win or not so I just can actually enjoy the season for what it is um and so it's so funny because like going back and watching season three again I would never be team Carmen (laughs) but I was like super gung-ho team Carmen watching that Um, And yeah, I just really enjoyed it. And then when I got back in the fall, they started airing season six, which was the first season that I watched live. I watched seasons six, seven, eight, nine, and most of 10 as it aired live. Um, And like, let me just tell you, my, 
my obsession, it was a, truly an obsession. Like I watched the seasons live. I went to the drag shows when they came to UF again. I got to meet like Pearl and Violet and Ginger and Fifi O'Hara. Um, they all came one year. My greatest regret from college is the fact that I did not get to see or meet Bianca Del Rio, Courtney Act, and Adora Delano the year that they came because instead we were having sorority in like a uh, sorority elections that's what it was and it was like a five hour long sorority meeting so that we could have our elections and it was miserable and I'm pretty sure I didn't even did I get elected I don't think I even got elected maybe I did get elected that year um (laughs) anyway I guess so I guess it was worth it but like at what cost truly so yeah I would go to the drag shows every year I would go to the like local drag shows the local gay club in Gainesville um, actually, fun fact, one of the season five queens, Jay Jolie, is from Gainesville, Florida, and she was, she, like, she would go to our local drag club, like, she was a, a performer, and she moved away, like, right after I got into drag, <laughs> like, right after I got into it, she moved to Kentucky, so I never got to see her perform at her home club, like, in Florida, which is a little bit sad, um, so not only was I, like, super into watching the shows, I would, like, predict the winner I like predicted the winner for like each season for like four seasons in a row I did really well at getting the winner and like pegging them pretty early on with who was gonna win too like my proudest I think was season nine um yeah season nine I pegged that Sasha Velour was going to win truly just based off of their meet the queen photos and interviews (laughs) and I was like "Mm, yeah I'm pretty good at this uh, yeah, so I really loved it. I went to RuPaul's DragCon in 2016, which was the second year of the convention, which in my opinion was probably the best year to go. Um, because the first year they hadn't really hit their stride yet. They didn't know exactly what they were doing. And then like every year after that, it just seems like it's so crazy. Just so many people, it's probably not even worth it. And I, I stood in a lot of lines, um, for not, a terribly many queens that I met, but I still met a ton of queens. I went to some really cool panels. Uh, yeah, DragCon was awesome. I'm really glad that I went um, when I went in 2016. And I was also obsessed with, like, the subreddit on Reddit, which had all of this, like, insider information and leaked tea. There were, like, people who may or may not have worked for, like, the production company that were on the subreddit that would, like, spill the tea uh, before the season aired each um, year, and they would kind of, like you know, give hints on who was going to be in it. It was just, it was really cool. So I was like all up in that. I was truly, truly obsessed with Drag Race. Like there is no TV show that I can think of, especially no reality TV show that I can think of that I had this level of investment before or since ever. Um, so I kind of fell out of Drag Race. I guess probably it was halfway through cycle cycle season, (laughs) season 10. Um, I honestly, I just stopped watching after Monet exchange went home. I just kind of like lost all interest after that. I didn't even see who, like, I didn't even finish the season. I kept up with it obviously to know what was happening, but I just haven't really, I just haven't been interested ever since, um, all stars three and season 10. I just don't really care that much. It just, it's, it's too oversaturated there's too much there's too many seasons each year we need longer breaks the off season you know when they used to have really really long off seasons between each season it was hard because there was like no content to get us through but it was good because it like kind of gave people at least like on the subreddit in my opinion a time to just talk to one another and bond and make you know just have discussions conspiracy theories it was always fun to do the like conspiracy theory like who's going to be on this season who's disappeared from social media this summer because that usually means that they're filming like that sort of thing and it just seems like 
with all of the seasons that they've had in such quick succession back to back to back, like all stars plus regular seasons plus like holidays like specials and everything like that it's just it's too much so I've kind of fallen out of fallen out of love a little bit with Drag Race I mean hopefully one day I'll go back in and rewatch or watch the end of season 10 and all star all stars 4 and season 11 and so on and so forth but that's just not where I am right now um also there's Dragula which is like the it's not a spinoff or necessarily associated with RuPaul's Drag Race but it's sort of like the underground indie alternative version of Drag Race. I watched the first season, but I it's not for me. It's too gross, frankly. Um, so kind of that's that's my background. That's a lot. Like there's a lot to go into, obviously. Also, I just want to say, because I don't want to forget to say this later on, that in my opinion, I could be wrong. If you're a big Drag Race fan, let me know what you think. I think that there are three distinct eras of the show. And the first is era is seasons one through three, which is kind of just the beginning. Season three is almost kind of like a transitional season. Seasons one and two were really like low budget, just finding their footsteps. Like each season, it got a little bit better. You know, season two was better than season one. Season three was better than season two. But they are all sort of just like, it's a niche little thing. It's just for this specific community. It was never trying to reach the mainstream. And then seasons four through eight, I would say, is like the golden age of Drag Race, in my opinion. This was like when it was at its peak, it really hit its stride. It really, like season four definitely issued in a new era of Drag Race. What with the person who won, Sharon Needles, um, just kind of being a different sort of queen than a lot of people had ever seen before. And the way that they changed the, uh, the format of the finale, like moving to a live finale where it was like a big to-do with a bunch of people in like a beautiful theater like seeing all of the queens having that live audience that live interaction and then having the finale um they would film multiple endings if you're not aware so they would film the all three queens all final three queens getting crowned and then they would air whichever one they wanted to win and that's when the queen would find out like they would find out as it aired along with like the rest of America so that was like their own specific uh style of doing it I think by season eight they had already moved to the lip sync for the crown um style of finale which I was never really a huge fan of um so season eight was also kind of a transitional season like season three is but I would I would still put season eight in that category of like the golden age of drag race and then seasons nine ten eleven all stars three and four I guess I guess everything up to All Stars 2 is really in that golden age of Drag Race. And then from season 11 to all, no, season 9 to All Stars 4 and beyond is like the new era of Drag Race. That's when it's all been like more on Logo. I don't remember exactly when it moved from Logo to VH1. Um, Sorry, so more on VH1. I think that also really issued in a new era of Drag Race, just instead of being on this small niche channel that's specifically geared only for queer audiences and you're only worried about capturing these queer audiences, it moved to VH1, which obviously has like a huge, like a huge audience, like a huge section of different demographics and populations. Um, And it just seemed like they sort of were trying to capture that, like the mainstream audience more than like the specific queer focused audience. So things kind of changed for that. I think that's part of the reason why I it, like it lost some of its spark. It lost some of its sheen, in my opinion, when it moved to VH1. Um, higher budget, but like lower quality a little bit, just in terms of like the writing and the challenges. 
and kind of thinking about like what does it actually mean to be America's next drag super superstar like what does that mean like to be a drag superstar um I think in the first few seasons in the golden age especially that really took into account like what what does a drag queen need to know how to do um whereas in the the newer seasons it's more so like what is entertaining for these audiences to watch all right so now that I've written (laughs) I've spoken my treatise on the history of drag race let's go into my actual like research uh, my actual background on the show I I spoke about this a little bit as I was just kind of ranting just now, so I'll try to kind of just fill in the blank of what I already said, but it originally began airing on Logo, which if you're not aware, I think I mentioned is like a specifically like LGBTQ focused channel. Um, It originally began airing in 2009, which means the first season was probably filmed in 2008. Um, Also, before Drag Race uh, happened, Logo... Logo did not have a lot of original programming. They had a little bit. They had, like, the big gay sketch show, which is not anything I ever saw, um, and a few other things, but for the most part, it seems like it had, like, reruns of syndicated TV shows like Golden Girls and Designing Women, um, and then, like, I think it even would play, like, some foreign movies and stuff. Like, I'm pretty sure we had Logo on cable when I was in middle school, and I distinctly remember me and my mom both watching this strange like French foreign film indie film about like a little trans girl like a little girl who was trans um and I I don't know I remember we watched that when we were like I was like little kid well I don't know middle school I will say though I think that that did a lot for me for like learning about like trans people in general and like what it means to be trans and why trans people are just like you know we should treat them nicely like any other person uh so like shout out to logo for airing that and me watching it when I was like 12 so that I could develop some fucking empathy and not be like a little asshole middle schooler even though I was a little asshole middle schooler like regardless (laughs) um but that's all to say that drag race like truly put logo on the map like there were many many jokes made about like drag race keeping the lights on at logo for for a while um Also, I guess what I should go into is what had been happening with... So prior to Drag Race coming together, Logo was its own little just channel bopping along, but like not not known for anything in particular. Um, RuPaul himself, uh, RuPaul had been really famous. Like he had hit his peak of fame in the 90s with his Supermodel of the World album being the Mac cosmetic spokesperson having his show the RuPaul show on VH1 which was um a talk show with him and Michelle Visage uh being he was like on MTV's spring break or something he did the VMAs I think he did uh Tu Wong Fu the movie so RuPaul was like everywhere in the 90s but in the 2000s he really was kind of quiet like he wasn't doing a lot um he was releasing music but it was just very niche like dance music club music for like gay clubs that didn't really have a lot of like it did not have a broad distribution um and then he did like I think like an indie film it was called Star Booty just like a small little thing just yeah, nothing big. Like, his his big peak of fame had been in the 90s, and then he was quiet for a while. So then in 2009, 2008, I guess, when this started filming, um, it was RuPaul's Drag Race came together, and it was just, like, 
I think it just started as like a little, like a small little thing that like no one really took seriously. Like the first, uh, the first season is so low budget. Like there's a one really funny like meme that you'll see sometimes in the drag race, like community of like a ladder that's just like up against a wall in a shot in one of the like scenes in season one. And people will be like ladder for queen, like ladder is my favorite queen. Um, things like that the production company world of wonder also was like not super big at this point world of wonder had done a few things uh i think they produced or at least if not world of wonder in that's form like the the people behind world of wonder fenton bailey or whatever um they produced rupaul's talk show they produced a few other things they produced uh a movie called party monster which is like about this like murder that happened in the club kids scene which rupaul was loosely related to but like he wasn't necessarily part of like that whole murder thing that happened like that's a really fascinating story I encourage you to go look it up if you don't know about it um but basically like RuPaul was kind of small at this time Logo was definitely small at this time World of Wonder was small at this time and like RuPaul's Drag Race just kind of came together and was the perfect formula and all three exploded maybe not so much Logo since Drag Race went to VH1 and now like I don't know how they're going to keep the lights on at Logo but like RuPaul is huge he's having like a career renaissance right now obviously uh World of Wonder is huge they've produced so much now since RuPaul's Drag Race has like kind of put them on the map um a lot of like niche kind of like lifetime movie type things but still like more than what they were doing for sure and they're really really killing it like in the online web series sphere because they've produced a ton a ton a ton a ton of online content online shows um featuring various like drag race queens and other kind of queer celebrities and that is probably i would say right now is like their biggest money maker other than rupaul's drag race itself all, all this being, like, my completely uninformed opinion just based on my understanding of this scene, but, you know, that's what this podcast is about. Um, also, I think that most everyone will agree with me here that drag race can really be linked to, like, a renaissance in the artistry of drag in, like, the the 20 teens I guess we'll say. Like, drag race caused everyone else to step their pussy up. And there was, like, there were drag queens, of course, there have always been drag queens, like, going back to the early 1900s, as far as I know, like, there have been drag queens. Um, but I think, really, like, having having Drag Race out there, having it be such a public-facing, mainstream sort of showcase of the art form really caused so many other drag artists to just, like, explode in terms of their creativity, their creativity, their their talent, just, like, the output that they're putting into the world. Um, so there are amazing sorts of drag that I don't think you would have seen 15, 20 years ago at all, just, like, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I, I could be wrong, but I truly don't think that some of these artists would be doing what they're doing without the medium of drag race kind of forcing everyone to elevate their level. All right. So that's kind of just my opinion on the background of drag race. Not so much like the background itself. Like there are the facts, but also there's a lot of my like opinion on how it impacted the world. Um, also something that I did just want to say that uh, drag race really it took itself much less seriously in the beginning in that, um, that beginning era. And then the golden era that I talked about, uh, it was more of like a satire of slash homage to America's next top model and project runway. Um, but it seems to have kind of 
it takes itself more seriously now. It has kind of lost some of that, like, cheek, that, like, little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. This is kind of what this is about. Um, I would say probably from, like, seasons seven, eight onward is when it really started to kind of lose that and take itself much more seriously. If you're not familiar with the format of the show, which I'm, I would be shocked, honestly, if anyone is listening to this episode and they haven't seen an episode of Drag Race, but if you're one of those people, this is what it's about. So each episode features a main challenge. Sometimes there's a mini challenge, um, and the main challenge can be all kinds of different things. I would say, like, mostly it's acting-based challenges, uh, or some kind of, like, put some sort of like comedic twist on something but it can be other kind of performance-based challenges there have been um musical challenges where they record and perform a song there have been like uh weird ass cheerleading challenges that cause someone to like break a knee um sometimes there are like sewing design challenges which is more of like that project runway kind of thing and then sometimes like especially in the earlier seasons they just had some weird fucking challenges that have like nothing to do with anything else like in season two there's this challenge where they have to go out onto the streets and try to convince people to buy coupons to get cherry pies and then it's like one team was on the street like doing cherry pie coupons and then like another team was doing something else um there's like a stripping challenge to in season two it's all it's all very strange but those there aren't really that many like sorts of those challenges nowadays which is kind of unfortunate because those are like just weird and wacky and really fun um so there's the challenge that happens and then in each episode there is a runway so the queens have to present a runway look um usually with a theme that either has something to do with the challenge itself or there's just some sort of theme like all red outfits around the world best drag that sort of thing um and then at the end of each episode the bottom two queens are um tasked to lip sync for their lives um the winning queen gets to stay and the the losing queen will be eliminated sometimes there have been double saves where neither queen leaves uh there has been i think at least definitely one i don't think there's been two uh double no there's been at least two just kidding maybe not more than two uh double eliminations where both queens go home and then um, occasionally queens will be brought back. What's kind of interesting about the season that we're going to be talking about, which I don't think I've said yet, is season three, um, is that there was actually both a double save and a queen who was brought back, and the queen who was brought back, and the queen who was, one of the queens who was saved is the same queen, Carmen Carrera, (laughs) which is like so funny going back and watching season three, because it's like, why, dear God, did they keep saving Carmen Carrera? Like, she's not that good. But then, of course, when I was watching it the first time, I was like, yes, my queen, Carmen, is gonna win this. Um, So that's just like a funny, like, experience of watching it previously versus, versus watching it now. Um, It aired on Logo until 2016. It moved over to VH1 in 2017. I think the first season it aired on VH1, it aired on Logo simultaneously, but now I think it's only airing on VH1. Um, And the show, I think I kind of touched on this, it's had a lot of spinoffs and companion shows. So there's Untucked, which I know I mentioned that's the companion show. It features... um, as the queens like go backstage while the judges are deliberating in each episode like it shows what happens when they are going backstage and having a conversation so the first i think seasons two through so season one was called under the hood it wasn't called untucked but it was like the same kind of concept seasons two through six had this very highly produced kind of vibe to it um like super super produced super scripted and it was like 
very dramatic, like edited to be super dramatic. And then from season seven onward, the untucked has been like a lot more kind of documentary style, more low key, um, showing them like backstage, like in just this kind of bare set, as opposed to like a set that's been built up specifically for this untucked show. So there's the Untucked Companion Show. There's Whatcha Packin' with Michelle Visage, which is, like, she interviews the queen who was eliminated that episode, and they, like, go over outfits that they didn't get to wear and that sort of thing. Um, the Pit Stop, which is an after show. Uh, it's been hosted by various queens, and, again, it's just sort of an after show where they discuss, like, what happened on that show. I don't really watch Whatcha Packin' or The Pit Stop. I was never really into it. Um, there was Drag You, which <laughs> is so short-lived, like, Drag You definitely feels like a show that, like, could have only existed from 2010 to 2012, which is when it aired. But basically, Drag You took some of the queens featured on seasons one and two, maybe three and four. I'm not exactly sure. One, two, and three. Um, Anyway, it took those queens and it took the women just like average everyday like cis women coming in and the drag queens would like give them a drag makeover and turn them into like a drag sona um i watched a little bit of drag you i wasn't super into it it's kind of funny and weird but it's like not super super good i kind of would love for drag you to come back with like another like a revamped concept where it's either more like queer eye where it's like not just like these women are coming in to like the studio and it's kind of goofy but more of like a a lifestyle makeover type thing or if it was like drag you like drag you colon RuPaul's school for girls where it was like baby drag queens who don't know anything about what they're doing come in and like are taught how to do drag super well by the the more established queens I think that would be super cool to watch There have also been a few international versions. Um, The Switch, which is um, Chile's version of Drag Race. It's like a licensed localization. So it's not exactly like Drag Race, but it is under the Drag Race umbrella. Um, There's also Drag Race Thailand. Drag Race UK is now airing. Um, I haven't seen any of these. I've kind of just stuck with like normal Drag Race. And then coming in 2020, there will be Drag Race Canada, Drag Race Australia, and Celebrity Drag Race which I think Celebrity Drag Race is sort of like drag you with celebrities. Um, So those are all coming 2020 and beyond. And then, like I mentioned, World of Wonder has created, like, their online empire of web shows. Um, Some of the most popular ones, Fashion Photo Review with Raja and Raven, Alyssa's Secret with Alyssa Edwards, Uh... With Trixie and Katya, there's no way to pronounce that show correctly. It's so obnoxious that they would make that what it is because it's like you can't you can't say that and be normal. Um, so those are kind of uh, some of the more famous Wow presents web shows, but there are so many, like so many hours and hours on YouTube. Um, and then, of course, there have been some controversies with the show. So the biggest controversy has been treat- the treatment of transgender individuals and narratives on the show, um, either just, like, not acknowledging them, not acknowledging that they exist, or uh, even worse, RuPaul kind of saying that he doesn't want trans women on the show, or um, it's just, yeah, you can, like, kind of look it up to see more about exactly like what went down with the controversy but I know fairly recently Rue like within the past few years said this thing about how like I'm not gonna say no to trans women but like no basically um 
he's also said like cis women could never be on the show uh even though there are some really incredible cis drag queens like cis women drag queens who like truly look just like as transformed as any other like trans woman or cis male drag queen um so it's kind of like he says like well they have miss america and that's their drag pageant but that's like not it's not the same thing obviously like yes i get it like miss america is drag in a, in a way if that like fits into your definition of drag but it's not like drag in the sense that like what the, the fans of rupaul's drag race want to see um so yeah he made it was yeah he's just said that he would probably not allow transgender contestants to compete on rupaul's drag race um he compared transgender drag performers to doping athletes on his twitter he since apologized but obviously there was a ton of backlash and i i think he's just blatantly wrong like blatantly wrong because there have been queens who have competed on drag race who are not trans who have gotten extensive plastic surgery to look more feminine or look more like a specific person aka chad michaels who has gotten plastic surgery to look like Cher, and he was able to compete on drag race and even win all stars one and rue had no problem with that um but there have been a lot of queens who have come out as trans or non-binary or gender fluid since competing um there's been one openly trans contestant who did compete on the show peppermint but she kind of like i think rupaul had basically said like well if she had been further along in her like physical medical transition when she auditioned she wouldn't have gotten on the show so that's mm, not great um there was also a big controversy in season six. There was a mini challenge called Female or She-Male. Um, not great. Where basically the queens had to identify if someone was a cis woman or a drag queen based on like a cropped photo, a small little cropped photo. Um, so that kicked up a huge controversy and that ultimately led to them removing any reference from sh- of She-Male from the show whatsoever. Uh, so there in the first few seasons up until season six i guess season seven um whenever the like challenge is announced like tyra mail you know how they have tyra mail well there would be like you've got she mail like a little thing would come up on the screen and all the queens would gather around and hear a message from rue but it doesn't say you've got she mail anymore and now it says she's already done had hers <laughs> uh i don't know why that was chosen to be the replacement phrase but yeah so the whole female or she mail mini challenge controversy led to ultimately the elimination of the use of the word she male at all from the show which is probably for the best um other than that the show has been nominated for 23 emmy awards and has won nine including like outstanding reality host uh for i think like two or three years now so it's gotten a lot of um mainstream recognition in terms of award shows in the past few years as well all right so how I chose this episode. Uh, So I knew I wanted to do season three because that was the season that I started with. So I know I wanted to, you know, like go back to my roots basically. And I wanted to discuss an episode where Shangela, one of the queens, does her like devious scheming thing. Because that's like a thing that Shangela does is like she's a plotter. She's a schemer. Um, So I was thinking about doing this episode originally there's this episode where the challenge is that the queens have to record one of Rue's songs, but they all record the same song in a different genre. And basically, like, while they're choosing the different genres, they, like, each get to pick one. Shangela kind of, like, reverse psychologies Carmen and says, like, ooh, I really hope I get reggae because there's only going to be two left, reggae or country. And Shangela wanted country, so she was like, oh, man, I really want reggae. And then Carmen 
chose reggae so that Shangela got country and then Shangela actually got the the, the genre that she wanted. So I was going to do that because I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to talk about like how she was like a schemer. But the episode that I watched like didn't have that in it. And I know I've seen this for sure. I know for a fact that I've seen this. Like I don't know if maybe it was like Maybe it was like in Untucked or something because sometimes in the Untucked episodes they'll play a little bit of um, the main episode like that was edited out or something. But it was just not in the version that I watched. And I was just like, okay, well, I can talk about this, but I like don't want to like base my episode around a scene that's not even in this episode. So I chose uh, another episode where Shanji has some like manipulation. Um, so this is a, um, instead of doing... Uh, recording songs in different genres they are doing stand-up comedy so that's this is the one that I chose um so yeah it has some good Shanji meddling and it has maybe even a better payoff for like the results of her her meddling than the original one that I was thinking about choosing so that's what we're doing it is called RuPaul's Drag Race it's season three episode seven it's called Ru Ha Ha So before I go into the episode proper, I just want to say that when I watched the whole season through the first time I was watching on Netflix, um, my husband, you know, like knows some secrets, knows some tips and tricks and certain things, and he was able to get me like a VPN. <laughs> so I was watching on UK Netflix because they have RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, and when I went back to take my notes on this episode specifically, I don't know exactly what happened but somehow they like were on to me and I couldn't get onto the Netflix at all so I was able to find this episode on Daily Motion, and that's what I used to take um my notes but I don't know if maybe well for one thing I know for a fact that it does cut in a little bit late on the previously on so I just had to jump in with where it opened when I was watching it um and I don't know if maybe it was like edited a little bit differently from the version that I saw on Netflix I don't think so but who's to say but anyway that's just like my little um just keep in mind disclaimer it's not really that important I'm sure but just in case uh so the previously on I came in on the queens were modeling their cake couture so that's what the previous uh episodes challenge was they had to do um runway looks inspired by various cakes Raja won and Stacey Lane Matthews and Alexis Mateo had a lip sync for their lives and unfortunately our girl Stacey sashayed away I also wanted to talk about the prizes that they have in this season. So the prizes are a lifetime supply of Cryolon Cosmetics, which um, I know that it's like after season four, I believe they changed lifetime to supply uh, to sickening supply because I'm pretty sure it was something about like Sharon Needles was running some sort of like underground like cosmetic black market where she was like selling her lifetime supply or something like that. I might be making that up completely but I feel like Sharon Needles did something that caused uh, World of Wonder to change that prize specifically. They also switched the cosmetics line up a lot. Cryolon, I don't know how long they have it for. Um, I know eventually they change it to Anastasia Beverly Hills um, and there's I think at least like a couple other things that they do as well. Uh, so they headline the uh, Drag Race Tour, the Logos Drag Race Tour, sponsored by Absolute, um, which they don't do anymore. I don't know what the Drag Race Tour was, like how many cities it went to. Now they have these other like kind of third party tours that aren't necessarily associated with like Logo or even World of Wonder. Um, but it's usually like Work the World, Divas of Drag, Work the Runway, uh, 
the haters roast, like all of those. Um, so that's kind of the new version of the Drag Race tour, more or less. And then this season, the cash prize was $75,000. I haven't gone back to like double and triple check this, but I'm pretty sure that this was the only season where the prize was $75,000. I think the first two seasons, it was $25,000. And then from season four onward, it's been $100,000. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting. And it's just another kind of point that season three was really this sort of transitional period where it was moving out of this niche, very niche, very low budget underground sort of show and moving into a more mainstream show. And obviously like the budget was increasing and they had like the prize money to prove it. So we get our theme song and then after the theme song, um, the queens are entering the workroom. Uh, another thing that I did want to point out too is that um, this season three workroom is a little bit different from I think it's a little bit different from season two, but very familiar. But season four is when the workroom really changes, specifically the workroom entrance. So in season three, it's just this door that the queens just have to like walk through and like close behind them. From seasons four onward, it's like this archway that they they walk, you know, come through a hallway and come out. But it's just funny to me, like to see them, especially in the first episode when they're all doing their entrances and the queens are like, opening and closing the door and just sort of like opening the door and peeking their heads around. Um, so the, the queens all come back in. They're talking about how empty the room is and how Stacy is gone. And Raja reads the mirror message, the mirror message that Stacy left. She says, be a lady. You're all amazing. Stacy Lane Bryant Matthews. Um, I think it was, it was definitely Rue that gave her the nickname Stacy Lane Bryant. Uh, then she like went on, it was like went on to be, Stacy Lane Bryant Matthews Lattisaw, Stacy Lane Bryant Matthews Lattisaw Q. So that was just a cute little like inside joke that Rue had with her. So Alexis cleans off the mirror and she gives us a talking head where she says that she thinks being in the bottom the last challenge was just a fluke and now she just has to concentrate and give the judges what they're uh, what they're looking for. So the big storyline like plot that happens this season it's kind of like there are these two groups. It's just the drama between the two groups. The Heathers, the self-titled Heathers, um, obviously after the, the movie and now musical Heathers, uh, where it's Raja, Carmen, Delta, and Manila. And then the other group, which hasn't given themselves a name, I guess other than team talent, Shangela goes on to call them later, is Shangela, Yara, and Alexis. So I will be referring to the Heathers collectively as the Heathers, but the other team I probably won't call the Boogers, which is what the Heathers call them, just because that's kind of mean. <laughs> so the Heathers are talking. Um, Raj is doing pirouettes across the floor while the Heathers are talking. Carmen's talking to Delta. Uh, Carmen says that now that Stacy's gone, Delta is the only big girl left. That's kind of like a point of contention um, throughout almost every season, I guess, is just like, who the big girls are, if a big girl's gonna win, represented for the big girls, like that's always a big thing. Um, so then Delta has a really kind of shady talking head where she says that Stacy shouldn't have even been there to begin with, that she doesn't think that she was on the level as everyone else. Um, but she does say that now all all the competitors who are, who are left are all very strong and she seems maybe a little bit intimidated. Uh, that's kind of Delta's MO throughout the season. She always seems a little bit intimidated in my opinion. On the other side of the workroom, Shangela is talking to Manila, um, talking to her about what she had said at judging the other day. So this is something that I was probably touched on on the previously on, but I obviously didn't see it since it was cut off for me. But what happened at the previous day's judging was that Rue had asked all of the queens who should go home. 
and Shangela had said, uh, or Carm, gosh, <laughs> I'm getting all of my names mixed up. Manila had said that Shangela should go home and specifically said that she's like very annoying and loud and always like alleluing, um, which is kind of funny because Shangela's catchphrase, they all sort of have catchphrase. Uh, a lot of them have catchphrases this season at least. So hers is hallelujah, but she always like, she says the H, she says hallelujah. So it's, it was funny to me that Manila was like alleluing. Um, so anyway, Shannon's just basically just asking her if she really thinks that that's true. Like if she thinks she's very annoying and Manila, I mean, I'm kind of, I can kind of see where Manila's coming from. She says that it came out harsher than intended, but I get it. Uh, my understanding of judging is that the Queens are there for like hours at a time. You know, we obviously only see a few minutes, but there are, you know, out there in drag, in heels, in wigs, uncomfortable, under the stage lights. Um, I think it's, I think someone said that it's freezing cold because Rue likes it really cold. So they're obviously just not comfortable and it's already like a high stress situation. They're being critiqued for hours at a time. So I can understand if like tensions got to the better of them and Manila said something like that, like you're annoying and I want you to go home. And then the next day when, you know, you've slept a little bit, you've had a little bit of food, you've had some breakfast, you feeling a little bit differently and saying like, uh, yeah, that was harsher than I intended it to be. So I, I believe her on this, but Shangela is not having it. Uh, she says in her talking head that Manila's done a 180. Um, and this is a great quote. I know Manila has more faces than my foot has blisters after a show. And that's just, I don't know, Shangela has so many iconic lines this season. She really is the narrator of the season. Um, the editors kind of just know that they can always trust like a Shangela zinger one line, like just to put that in if they need to. Um, so then the the workroom is interrupted. Everyone's interrupted by our controversial You've Got She-Mail announcement. Everyone gathers around um, and Rue says in the She-Mail that drag is a serious business, but sometimes a queen can take herself a little too seriously. Laugh and the world laughs with you. Bomb and the joke's on you, honey. So then Rue comes in, says his uh, one of his catchphrases, hello, 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 and explains that for this mini challenge, the queens are going to be reading one another in the tradition of Paris is burning. By the way, if you have not seen Paris is burning, you should absolutely see it. I read that they're re-releasing the documentary with like an additional hour of footage. It is um, just foundational, especially if you have any interest in like queer history. So... We learned in Paris is Burning um, what reading is, what shade is, and now the queens are going to kind of prove their uh, prove their chops um, and, and read one another. What's kind of fun, um, or not fun, I guess, but what's interesting here is that this is not a catchphrase, but just like a common refrain that's said each season on RuPaul's Drag Race now is whenever they have this reading mini challenge, Ru always says, because reading is what? And all of the queens go, fundamental. But this time, Ru had to say the entire line himself because like none of the queens knew to say that yet. So um, I guess I'll just, I'll, I'll go down the line and say my favorite read that each queen has because they're not that great. Um, so Yara is first. Yara's, Yara really, what I appreciate here, let me say this. 
I appreciate, so Yara is a queen, Yara Sophia is a queen from Puerto Rico with a very thick accent, and she really, like, knows how to make it work for her instead of working against her. She really knows, like, when to lean into it, when to, like, play it up for the comedic value. So she kind of uses her accent to make a read here, which I think is pretty clever. So she goes, Manila Luzon, it's not because you're Asian, it's because I need some patience to deal with you, which is pretty funny. Um, and then Manila is up next. Manila. Now Manila's reads are all like, she really like leans into it. She really commits to the delivery, but they're just kind of awkward. Um, so for example, Yara, she reads Yara. So Yara also has a catchphrase. Hers is, I'm sure I'm going to pronounce it like incorrectly, but Echapalante, which means move forward basically in Spanish. Um, so she kind of tries to play off this, but it just comes off as really cringy. She says, Yara, and she, she like really says it exactly like this. She's like, Yara, your blue contacts are so creepy that it makes my skin itchy, itchy, itchy palante. I swear to God, that was like a perfect impression for how she says it. <laughs> so she just like comes off as trying a little bit too hard. Mm, I don't love it. Next up is Delta. Um, Delta has one really good read that I appreciate because all of the others are very um, predictable. Like they rely on common tropes for everyone. Delta always gets read that she's fat, um, that like Yara's from a foreign country, well, uh, or like doesn't speak English well, and then that Raj is old. Like those are the really common ones, but. Delta says, Raja, when you're on the runway, do you keep the 800 number for suicide? Because those toes are ready to jump. Meaning like her toes are hanging out of her shoes. So that one's kind of funny and clever. Next up is Alexis Mateo. Um, I guess her best read, hers are really kind of basic. She says, Miss Shangela girl, can we have some water? Her hair is thirsty, baby. Which fine whatever that's also like a really common read like that happens in this mini challenge a lot it's like you need some water for your wig she's thirsty um raja so i guess this isn't necessarily her best read but it's kind of funny like her delivery in this really sells the bit so she uh she just kind of like at one point goes and points to each queen one by one and just says like one little thing and that's the read. So it's like Delta is fat. Alexis, who cares? Carmen syphilis. Um and it's like not that clever, but it's I don't know, her execution was well done. Then Carmen, yeah. So Carmen, hers are not good. Um also her like delivery is not good. Her Alexis girl, I've been thinking about you all day. I was at the zoo. It's just like, okay, whatever. Also, you weren't at the zoo. Like, we know you're, like, subpoenaed in your hotel room and you can't leave. Sequestered, not subpoenaed. I just realized that I said the wrong word for that. Um, and then Shangela is last. So, Shangela are probably the best reads, but they're still not super great. I'm just, I'm really just not impressed with these reads compared to some of the other ones that happen in later on seasons. And even in, like, in season two, Jujubee was known for her her reading challenge. Like, she does really well. So I'm just, I'm kind of like, whatever. I will say that um, Shangela's best read, in my opinion, was when she looks at Delta and she just goes, Mimi, I'm first. 
because Mimi I'm First was a queen from earlier in the season who no one really liked, who got eliminated pretty early on, and her and Shangela also got into it very infamously. There's a really interesting scene, a really good scene from uh, Untucked. Um, if you haven't seen it, I would just Google Shangela, Mimi I'm First, Sugar Baby, watch it. It's really good. So Rue closes the library and declares that Shangela is the winner of the mini challenge. And then he explains that for this week's main challenge, the queens will be developing their own stand-up comedy routine. And to help them develop their routines, each queen is going to have some one-on-one time with the comedy legend Rita Rudner. So I will admit I am not familiar with Rita Rudner really. Like I don't know her work very well. She seems she looks fairly familiar to me, but I just like, I'm, I don't know. I don't know her work. Sorry guys. Um, but what is hilarious is Yara Sophia, I'm sure also doesn't know her work, but we get this Yara talking head right here where she's like, Oh my God, Rita, I can't wait to meet Rita Rutner. And it's just like really over the top and really funny. So Rue also tells the queens that they'll need to put together a funny outfit that goes along with their comedy routines. And then says, gentlemen, start your engines and may the funniest bitch win. So Rue leaves the workroom. Raja is immediately stressed out. Um, Raja knows that comedy is all in the timing and if she messes up the timing she'll bomb she doesn't want to bomb uh she also says that shangela is an amazing comedian and that she's been doing this for a while so they're a little bit intimidated by that uh, manila even says well i was damn right when i said i wanted the bitch to go then over on the other side of the workroom alexis talks to shangela asks her if she feels like she has an advantage since she's done this before and shangela says no because comedy can be hit or miss but it's also like, but yeah, girl, you you have an advantage. Like just having the virtue of having done stand-up comedy at all, at least like you're familiar with with the medium. So Alexis also says that um, they all have to do well because their group, um, that's is Alexis, Yara, and Shangela, they're getting smaller and the other group is saying the same size. Um, and then Shangelis tells us in a talking head, she just explains how the workroom feels like it's divided into two groups, team talent and team look. She says that Raja, Delta, Carmen, and Manila all put the emphasis on their look, but they can't perform. Which to some, to some degree I will agree with, like they are more look queens than they are like wild performance queens, but to say that they like don't have talent is like a little bit rude. So everyone is working hard on their routines in the workroom. Delta says that the workroom is really quiet today um, over with Shangela and Yara. Yara says that she's afraid. Um, Shangela's really sweet. She kind of just encourages her and says that she can't be afraid. She just has to like go in there and like do everything she can, just go hard. Um, and Shangela says that everyone here is strong competition since everyone's hosted shows before. And then what's kind of sweet too, like I just like appreciate the dynamic between um, the three of them is like Shangela kind of pumps up Yara about like her performance and then Shangela says that she's concerned with her makeup because that's what the judges have been critiquing her about um, and then Yara and Alexis give her makeup advice so that's kind of nice also it's kind of funny because like everything that Shangela is saying is like they're like no no god don't don't do don't do that um, and Alexis says in a talking head everything that Shangela said is exactly what you should never do so it's kind of impressive that she even made it this far clearly not knowing how to do her makeup like worth a damn so at this point, Rue comes in and does his little workroom walkthrough, which he does pretty much every episode. 
But what's really interesting to me is just, like, going back and watching this old season, Rue, like, cares so much more and, like, actually gives a fuck and, like, wants to encourage the queens and not just, like, be shady and icy and make them doubt themselves because that's, like, good TV or whatever. Because it really feels like in the later seasons, Rue just doesn't give a damn about the queens. Um, But in the early seasons, you can really feel, like, the warmth and the love coming from him. So he uh, does his walkthrough. He goes to Carmen first. Um, He kind of asks about, like, her connection to New Jersey and asks if she's going to use that. And Carmen's like, well, no, because I don't really, like, feel like I'm a typical Jersey person, which she's really not. Like, she doesn't come off as, like, a a Guido, like, you know, we think of Jersey Shore when we think of, like, the typical New Jersey stereotype. Um, And Carmen just doesn't seem like that, but whatever. And so then Rue... Uh, Rue's like, well, a lot of, a lot of comedy comes from stereotypes, and if you can play on that, you can make it very funny. Um, and that just explains a lot about RuPaul, is that he, he thinks stereotype comedy is funny. I think that we can move past that a little bit, and I mean, I know this was 2011, but, you know, it was the 21st century, I think we can move past, like, just using stereotypes for comedic value. He does say that, uh, however, Carmen does have to, like, make it relatable and invite the audience into her world. And Carmen says that she doesn't like to let people in. And Rue's just like, well, you got to get over that. And it just kind of, like, cuts off there, which is just kind of, like, no nonsense. Whereas I feel like in the later seasons, Rue would really be like, hmm, why don't you want to let people in? Like, Rue really likes to play armchair psychologist now. Um, And so it's just like, he's like, nah, get over it and, like, move on. Uh, so then he goes up to Manila and he says that it seems like it would be a shoe in for her because she's very funny, which is, you know, Rue just gave her the kiss of death, basically. So Manila explains her concept, how she's going to go back to like some of the shows of her childhood and just kind of looking back at how gay they were, basically. Um, she gives the example of Sesame Street and Rue calls her out for the first time this episode. He's like, well, that's not really an original concept because I've heard these kinds of jokes about Sesame Street before. And Manila's just like, maybe, I don't really know. And then it just moves on from there. So we'll come back to that. Don't you worry. So then Rue goes to talk to Alexis. Rue asks if she's ever done comedy before, and Alexis says no. Uh, Rue asks if she is going to tell her jokes as Alexis herself or as a character, and she says that she's going to talk about, like, coming to America. She's going to talk about herself. Um, And Rue, you know, just is like, okay, that's great. You should laugh at yourself. And Alexis says that, you know, she loves to make fun of herself, so that's fine. I do want to say, like, she says that she's not a character, but... I'm pretty sure she does comedy as a character. We'll we'll circle back to that. You let me know what you think when we get there. So then Rue goes to talk to Delta and again says, like, I have a feeling that you're going to be very funny. So, like, you know, basically at this point, you know Delta and Manila are going to be in the bottom too. Like, sorry, spoilers, but that's what happens because Rue prophesized it by being like, I expect great things of you this challenge. Um, so here it's kind of like... <laughs> This is, a. Uh, it's a little bit dark. So Rue says, he just brings this up like, you know, I'm sure it's the editing, but it seems like it's out of nowhere. And he says that comedy comes from dark places and he has a feeling that Delta spends a lot of time in dark places. Like, says, maybe people have said some nasty things to you and you've, you've had a lot of time to think about getting back at them. Am I right? <laughs> and I like, how do you, how do you respond to that? How do you be like, no. So Delta's like, oh, well, you know, you're right, but I don't want people to think, like, poor me, poor me. I want people to think, poor me, poor me another one, Um, which is, a, I think that's, like, a clever little way to turn that conversation around. 
And then Delta says in another talking head that she thinks she could win. Oh, sorry, girl. Uh, so Rue gra- gathers everyone around and tells them that shortly they will all be meeting with the guest judge, Rita Rudner. Um, and so then he explains that since Shangela won the mini challenge, um, they, she gets to meet with Rita for 10 minutes. Everyone else gets only five minutes. And also Shangela will get to choose the order of the lineup. So this is, um, this is kind of where her, her scheming, her, I don't want to say manipulation because I feel like that's like too strong a word, too negative connotation, but like her plotting, like she's, she's a plotter. So she, that's where it comes in in this episode is when she chooses the lineup. Uh, also at this point, Rue reveals that the other guest judge will be Arden Marine. I'm not super familiar with her. I guess she was like on Mad TV um, and says that they will be performing in front of a lot, a live audience. So don't fuck it up. So then Shangela calls everyone over to give them the order of the show. So Carmen has a quick little talking head here where she's like, I know how it works at the club. They put the girls that they don't like at the beginning. So here is the order. It's going to be Raja opens the show, then Carmen, Alexis, Shangela, Manila, Yara, and then Delta closes the show. And so in a talking head, we get um, Shangela's like entire thought process, which I just love. So Raja goes first, obviously. It's, like, hard to open the show. Then Carmen goes after Raja. So if Carmen does well, Raja will look bad. If Carmen doesn't do well, Raja will still probably look bad because she opened the show, and that's, like, a difficult position to be in. Manila is going after Shangela because, as she says, if she's intimidated by me, let her really be intimidated by me. Um, And then Yara is second to last because she wanted to be last, but Shangela didn't want to put her, like, very, very last. So she says that way if she knocks it out of the park, that puts Delta at a disadvantage because she has to go after Yara and close the show. So she really like thought this through and put a lot of, um, yeah, just put a lot of thought into this, which I appreciate. So next the queens have their one-on-ones with Rita Rudner. Um, Manila goes first. Rita asks Manila what she's going to do for them today. And then Manila explains her concept once again, how it's going to be like a look at PBS and how gay it is. So Rita asks for the first joke. Uh, Manila actually launches into a joke about Mr. Rogers, which is not what we heard her say she was going to do. Um, Basically, it's just like, is he on the down low? Because he had a second house and every episode started with a costume change. Um, And she basically just says in a talking head that she's worried that, uh, or that comedy's hard and she's worried that everyone's routines will be better than hers. So then Alexis goes up next um, and she just tells her that like her life is funny. She's going to talk about her life coming from Puerto Rico. Um, So she starts to tell the joke like when I was, she's like, when I was a little girl and Rita laughs, she's like, yeah, that's funny. And she's like, I came from Puerto Rico. And so Rita's like, oh, well, make a joke about that. She's, (laughs) and then I'm like, oh, I don't know how appropriate this is. Like, especially in 2019, Rita, who is a white woman, tells a person of color, a man who is queer who is dressed as a woman half the time in this show uh she's like say I was in first class I was in the front of the raft and so um I'm just kind of like maybe not and Alexis isn't sure about the joke either but mostly just because she's not sure if she can pronounce raft correctly so then Raja's next um so Raja explains that her act is going to be based off of the movie Carrie Um, and Rita's like, well, I haven't seen Carrie in 40 years. Uh, she also has a little talking head. This is Rita who has a talking head who says that she's worried, um, about a specific movie reference because if no one's seen the movie, then Raj is going to be in trouble. 
So then Raja goes into describing the outfit that she's going to be wearing. So she's like, it's going to be a blood-drenched gown. Um, and Rita kind of just gives her like a free little joke to build off of that. So she's like, you come in and say, did anyone else just get their period? And Raja like gasps. And she's like, oh yeah, that's so great. I wanted to do like something with a period. So she practices. She's like, did anyone else get their period? And Rita corrects her. She's like, did anyone else just get their period? Like it's got to be, you know, it's on the just. That's why it's snappy. That's like how it ties in with the visual that's implied she doesn't say that but like that's what I'm getting is like you know the the wording is very specific for a reason so then we see Delta's session with Rita um her she explains at the beginning that her concept is going to be how she's like thinking about losing weight um and then she goes into like a couple of her jokes so one of her jokes is like a fat chick's like unicycle she, she, she doesn't really she doesn't get the delivery of this joke correct she's like a fat chick's like a unis- unicycle. Every guy wants to be with one, want to take one on a ride, but they don't want to be seen doing it. Like, I get the joke concept, but her saying every guy wants to be with one, I just think about every every man, every red-blooded American man fantasizing over, like, hanging out with a unicycle. It's like, oh, God, I just want to be with a unicycle so bad. Uh, she makes another joke about, like, I don't want romance. I don't want sex. I just want to sit on someone's face or something like that. Um, and Rita tells her that she's not really talking about, like, her concept, which she told her was wanting to lose weight, and she has to decide, like, what her concept's actually going to be and stick to it, basically. Um, so then Shangela goes up next. Shangela is going to be doing a routine as a character. She is going to be a postmodern pimp ho. Um, she explains to Rita that she's never done a character before or never done comedy as a character before, but she like, you know, she kind of gives us a few lines and she sounds like really good and confident. Um, and Rita's like, yeah, I get it. Like when you come out (laughs) and then Rita again, who's like, I don't know, like a 50 year old woman, a 50 year old white woman. She's like, you come out and say, yo, uh, you know, bitch. Um, uh, yeah, you got the character right away. And it's just like really funny hearing Rita kind of stumble over that. Uh, so then Yara has her one-on-one. Um, she comes out on her knees, like walking on her knees, and explains that she is going to be, like she's supposed to be a little person. Um, and she's also going to be performing as a character. Her character is from Spain, and she's going to tell this story, which is about like meeting a man. And it's it's really confusing whatever she's actually supposed to be doing because, you know, she English is her second language. She has a thick accent. And then this is just like nonsensical on top of that. Um, So she like goes into something about like having to poop and like makes fart noises and is like running away from this imaginary man. (laughs) And all that Rita says is, that is the most unusual act that I've ever seen. And then Carmen is the last one to go. Um, (laughs) Carmen is just like, she seems like such a fucking airhead in this scene. So first she's just like, talking into the mic she's like wow it's so weird to hear to hear my voice and then like Rita's talking to her and Carmen's kind of just like ah like into the mic um and so Rita asks her to share her routine and Carmen says she doesn't have anything um she says that she has like a bunch of topics but she's like they're not in any sort of like sensical comedy routine format um 
And she sort of brings up what Rue had said, how she's from New Jersey, but she doesn't really feel like the typical New Jersey person. So Rita asks her, you know, have you ever felt out of place? And Carmen says no. And Rita goes, well, you should, because that's going to be funny. There's nothing funny about a good-looking person who is doing well and is confident. But that's basically Carmen. She's a good-looking person who's doing well and is confident. Um, So Rita says she doesn't understand where the humor is going to come from, and she's worried about Carmen tonight. Here we get a quick little transitional scene, which is something really I like. I love to see because it's something that's very unique to the early seasons. It's um, the queens, like shots of the queens in their hotel rooms getting ready. So that's something that's like never brought up again. I want to say after season five, maybe even season three. Like I think that maybe we maybe did we see a few little shots like this in season four, but. I'm not sure, but I, I think for sure we don't see them starting in season five onward. Um, yeah, so it's just interesting to like see that because they used to give us those little snippets of the queens like doing their thing in their hotel room, which also I remember reading somewhere that one of the queens, I don't remember who said this, but one of the queens said that like those not, aren't even like true to life. Like they have to film those specifically. So they would like film them getting out of the shower when they didn't need to shower or whatever and they came there just to film that to like add some b-roll so that was just kind of funny um so the next day the queens are in the workroom they're working on their routines and the makeup and outfits for the challenge uh delta is stressing out she kind of has like a, a breakdown like over by a wall and just kind of like cries by herself a little bit um and she says in her talking head that she's terrified and then at this point, Raja, not Raja, uh, Carmen gets into this just big, bad, like not well done, not convincing or lifelike fat suit. Um, and it's just like all torso. So she has these like skinny little like twig arms and legs coming out of this like fat suit torso. And it just doesn't look good. Uh, Raja thinks it's weird. But Carmen says in her talking head that she has a, her mentality is basically this is going to work. Like there is no, there is no option for failure. Um, and then Shangela says that she thinks she's on her way home. So then uh, we cut to the main stage. We see Rue come out, and every episode, we Rue does a little runway walk. We get to take in the outfit. Rue meets the uh, or greets the judges, um, especially like the guest judges. So this episode, we have Michelle Visage, which is our standard judge, our standard like permanent fixed judge from season three onward. Rue's best friend and co-host from the RuPaul show, like Michelle Michelle Visage. Usually in season like three, four, five, six to seven I think seven is when he stopped um we have Santino Rice but I don't know why this episode or this season he's like not there a lot we get Billy B who I think is a makeup artist um where is Santino I I want to say so Santino was on Project Runway and there was this show that I didn't watch but I remember seeing the commercials for where Santino and this other guy, like, were on, like, they went on a road trip, and they, like, filmed stuff. Maybe it was, like, a little bit queer eyesy where they, like, gave makeovers or something, but I think it was, like, Santino and this other guy on a road trip. Um, so I'm wondering if maybe he wasn't there for a few episodes this season, because this is when that was filming, and that's where the overlap is. Um, it took me a very long time to realize, like, the Santino from those promos and then the Santino Rice judging on RuPaul's Drag Race was the same man. Like, I was shook when I found that out. So, uh, just something interesting that I noticed. We have Billy B a lot this season. 
And then we see our guest judges, Rita Redner, obviously, and then Arden Marine. I I think that's how Rue pronounces her name. I, I don't know if I would necessarily pronounce her name Marine if I were to just read it off myself. So the comedy show starts. The crowd is filled with a live audience. Raja comes out first. So she is wearing a white dress that's soaked in blood, like she said. And then she has this cute little headpiece that looks like a bucket that's, like, spilling blood onto her head. So, like, the stream of blood is kind of basically supporting the little, like, bucket fascinator at the top. It's cute. Um, so she immediately fucks up the first joke that Rita gave to her because she, like, fucks up the punchline. She says, is anyone else on their period? Instead of, like, the snappy, like, did anyone else just get their period? But she gets a lot of laughs, so it's honestly fine. Um, she asks how many people in the audience have seen Carrie, and most people raise their hands, so she's, like, in luck that most people are actually going to get that reference. Um... And so her main joke, she kind of ties it back to Carrie by saying that Carrie has telekinesis, which means you can move things with your mind. And her joke is, the last time I moved something with my head, I was in a hotel. The John threw $40 on my tits and told me to get the fuck out. I was like, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Good God. All right. I'll see you at home, Dad. So she gets a lot of jo- or a lot of laughs there. So she does a pretty good job. Next is Carmen. So she comes out wrapped in this like giant black fur coat. Um, and her joke, like, her entire joke is how she just, like, wants to be a fat girl. Like, she's like, my whole life in drag, I wanted to be, like, the fishy, skinny, pretty girl, but now I just want to be a fat girl. Um, yeah, I don't really love her routine here. Uh, she says that all of the guys secretly want to fuck a fat bitch, so she's not going to have any problems getting a man. Um, and she says that she wants to get pregnant and not even know it and just kind of, like, make some jokes about, like, I didn't know I was pregnant Um, and then she's like, do you want to see my body? And she takes off her coat and like reveals her fat suit. And I feel like she gets more laughs than she deserves for this entire routine, but that's how it is. So next up is Alexis Mateo and she comes out wearing a jumpsuit with the world's biggest fake titties on underneath. These are like giant stuffed, like, (laughs) I feel like, you know how you're at, um, when you're at a theme park and you're in like the midway, like the carnival game sections and you see all of those stuffed animals that they have hanging up and they have like the really big ones and they sometimes have those like bananas that are like have like Rastafarian hats on or whatever. Okay, so her tits are basically two of those giant stuffed like Rasta bananas. Like that's how large they are and they're of like some weird like stuffed animal type material, like stuffed fabric rather than like fake uh rubber titties which is you know most uh, this is like the season of breastplates there are a lot of breastplates in season three um so you usually get that like rubbery silicone latexy looking fake titties but instead we get these like big giant stuffed animal fake titties (laughs) all that to say like she comes out in a jumpsuit with like big boobs she's really high energy but her jokes are not that great but i feel like she keeps she keeps it she kind of sells it with her high energy um she says so basically her joke it like kind of hinges on the reveal of her fake titties um basically she says like I'm a Latino girl and I only have two options in this country being a housekeeper or being a stripper and you know I didn't come here to clean toilets baby so I became a stripper baby and she like unzips the front of her jumpsuit and pulls out her fake titties and they have like pasties on them and she shimmies them around and like that's her whole gag So then Shangela comes out. Shangela is just like a breath of fresh air this entire time because 
all the other queens are so close to being cringy that you're kind of just like holding your breath and kind of like giving them like pity laughs almost like do you know what I mean when I say that but Shangela comes out and she's just like genuinely funny so you can kind of relax <laughs> um so her character is Laquifa, the postmodern pimpo. Oh, I forgot to say, so sorry, for Alexis. So she said she was performing as Alexis Mateo when she was talking to Rue, but then she comes out with those big fake boobs and her whole thing is about being a stripper. So that just seems like it's a character to me. That's all I wanted to say. All right, so back to Shangela. So her, she's also performing as a character. Um, so her character is Laquifa, the postmodern pimpo. Uh, she says, yes, I'm still a pimp, but I'm also my own hoe. That's right, because of the recession, I had to scale back. <laughs> which I love. Um, and then she goes on to say, and you know, sometimes I don't even pay myself my own money. If I did, maybe I could get some shoes where my toes weren't hanging off five inches off the edge. And the camera pans down and we truly see like, yeah, her toes are like curled over her foot, like her, uh, the toe of her shoe. Um, but I just love that she like clocked herself before the any, like before anyone else could clock her before they could say something in judging where it's like, mm, your shoes didn't fit. That looked bad. She could, you know, she made it part of her routine and made it work. Uh, so she just does an amazing job. She's like super confident and she has a running little like gag slash catchphrase where she like tells her jokes and it'll be like, so-and-so said Laquifa and I said what? And she just like screams what? So it just, it, it really works. So I appreciate that. And then next is Manila. Um, she comes out in this beautiful campy glam. Like Manila is the pinnacle of glamp, like campy, but beautiful and gorgeous and like tasteful, but tacky, I feel like is the best way to put it. It's just like her, her looks are always on put, like on point, like, and because season three was my entry to the world of the greater world of drag, we'll say, um, Manila really made an impression on me and my preferred drag queen aesthetic where it's just like, it has those like comedic, campy, fun elements, but it also does look like really well put together. Um, and not a lot of queens can pull that, like not a lot of queens do pull that off like Manila does. So I will say that, like I love her look in this episode. So she's wearing, yeah, it's like Big Bird inspired. She has like a little Big Bird headpiece. She has stockings that are like the orange and pink stripes like Big Bird. Um, it's really cute. So she starts into her, basically her like Sesame Street is gay routine. Uh, she makes the joke about Bert and Ernie. Incredibly predictable. Incredibly predictable. Like if you, I feel like, <laughs> I mean, she already got told off by Rue. And I like, I don't know if uh, Rita said anything to her or not, but like I'm sure you know, this is really predictable. We've heard this before. At the very least, don't bring up the Bert and Ernie thing or at least subvert it somehow and be like, and Bert and Ernie, well, you know what? I genuinely think they were just friends. Like something like that to just subvert the common expectation. But no, she just goes with that. Um, very predictable. And then she talks about the Count, um, how he's like one of those old Liberace gays and like makes a joke about him counting Fabergé eggs. And it's fine. I don't think it's that funny. Yara comes out next. Uh, she comes in on her knees in a flamenco dress. She really commits to this character of Blara, she says later, is the character's name. Um, she tells her a weird story about meeting a man, and it's confusing. It's so confusing. It's like, I'm, I met a man. He took me to McDonald's. He ordered me a chicken sandwich. I asked him what chicken was. He says it means pollo. Pollo means cock. I don't want to eat a cock sandwich. Like, something like that. And then, like, it goes on to, like, he has a huge cock. 
what's the difference between an onion and a 12-inch dick? Or a, She's a 14-inch dick, which just seems too much to me. Um, and she's like, they both make me cry. And then it's like she makes the fart sounds and runs around. And it's weird, but she gets a lot of laughs. Like, she gets a lot of laughs. More laughs than I would have given her, frankly. And then Delta comes out to close the show. And her outfit is one of those, like, bikini t-shirts. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where it's, like, a t-shirt, but it's got, like, a bikini printed on it. Like, a, a, a woman's body with a bikini in it. Um, and this, this is kind of sad because, like, in my opinion, her best joke is her first joke. And she says, my name's Delta Work, and I'm in my early to early 30s. And then it's kind of downhill from there. So she's like, she says she's looking for love, but it's hard for a big girl like her. And she's like, you know, because I just wonder, like, who's going to who's gonna want a big girl like me? And she, people laugh at that. And then she's like, what, what about that is funny? And she's like, not really joking, but it's also true. Like, what about that is funny? But I think the audience was also laughing just because it's like kind of uncomfortable laughter and she's making us like pity her instead of laugh. So it's just, it's just weird. She also makes this kind of gross joke about, you know, like I see these girls on the news out running and they get attacked. So that's why I have to uh, stay home and watch my hoarders marathon because if I go out and exercise, I'll get raped. And like, that's it. That's the end of the show. So now it's time for the judges critiques. Um, so Raja gets complimented by Rita on the topper of her topper joke with the line about the dad. Um, Arden says that she does, a, she did a good job and she thinks she looks fantastic. Her makeup does look beautiful. And then Carmen goes up next and Rue calls her out on basically just like not sharing anything with Rita, not talking about her act at all. And so Carmen says, you know, she has a weird way of thinking and some people, um, some people think she might not be paying attention, but she's always in her head. And so here Rue has this little, they have this little exchange where Rue goes, how is your head? And Carmen goes, my head is good. And Michelle goes, I haven't had any complaints yet, which is like the line from Elvira, Mistress of the Darkness, Mistress of the Dark. I don't know what it's called, whatever. You know what I mean? Um, it's like, how's your head? Oh, I haven't had any complaints. Um. But this is like a line of reference that Rue makes all the time. He loves this reference. And it becomes a really intense like running theme in season seven because he kind of just picks. Because like I feel like none of the queens ever get the reference. Like I think maybe maybe like Alaska has because she's like incredibly quick-witted. But um, there's one with like one of the queens, Miss Fame. Rue, I think Rue asked her like three or four times like how's your head? And she's like good. And then Rue's like, I haven't had any complaints. He's just like, you have to tell me this. You have to say the line back. You have to finish the joke. So it's just funny that it comes up in season three. I just happened to notice that. Um, but Rita says that she was proud of Carmen. Michelle says she's really proud of Carmen because she thought Carmen was going to suck. Uh, and there's a lesson here about how if the bar is low, you can always meet it. Also, Rue asks if she's, because uh, Carmen comes out just wearing her big fluffy black coat again. Rue asks if she's wearing anything underneath her furry black coat and Carmen's like well I kind of wanted to show you my real body and like takes off her black coat and she's wearing this like just strappy black lingerie thingy. Um, very typical Carmen. So then Alexis Mateo is next. Uh, Rita says that she loved her reveal which I'm just like uh, but she does say that she relied a little bit too much on the visual gag and Michelle calls Alexis out because she is using the verbal crutch of saying honey every five seconds which was 
incredibly annoying to listen to in the um, actual routine. Because, yeah, she was just like, oh, honey, I don't know, honey. Yeah, honey, blah, 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 honey. So, yeah. And then Shangela, um, they just compliment her up and down because she did amazing. Rita says that she had a strong concept. There was no dead air. Michelle compliments Shangela on her makeup, which she says she sees a major difference. There's kind of a little bit of shady camera work where it, like, pans in on Shangela, then it pans to, like, Alexis and Yara, I guess, because, like, Shangela in that moment didn't say, oh, yeah, Alexis and Yara, like, taught me how to do it, but mm, I can kind of understand why she didn't, because I feel like if she had said anything, they probably would have been like, wow, this is week seven or whatever it is, and you're just now being taught how to do your makeup by your competitors. Why are you even here? So I can't really blame Shangela for staying quiet in that moment. So then Manila. <laughs> so Rue is so shady in the way that she critiques her, and I love it. So Rue says, Now the Sesame Street jokes were very funny. Did you think of those or had you heard them somewhere? And Manila claims that she made them up. Um, and so Rita says that the audience like took a beat to get to know her, especially following like the energy of Laquifa. She, you know, really had to work to get the energy back up. Um, and Michelle says, you know, like, the look is right today, but yeah, I've heard those jokes before. So it's just like, uh, I just can't believe she doubled down on all of that after Rue told her from the very first time they were talking in the workroom that's like, you should do something more original. And she basically just like, not only didn't change her concept, but was like, nope, yep, I came up with this all on my own. This is my original concept. No one's ever had this idea before. Next, they go to Yara, who is still on her knees, by the way, just like commitment. Um, she says that her friend is a little person and he pushed her to do it and that she did it with respect. But I'm just like, mm, mm, I don't know. Um, but she also says that this is the style of comedy that comedians do in Puerto Rico. So, I mean, I guess I can't fault her if this is kind of like a cultural thing. Um, Billy says, I don't know what you talked about except chicken and some cock, which is exactly how I feel after watching her routine and then Arden says that her ability to stay on her knees could earn her a lot of money somewhere um so finally Delta work Rue said that she seemed nervous which again is kind of just like always how Delta feels uh Rita says that um at the end there was kind of like some time where they didn't have any laughs and uh Michelle says that she just needs to go all the way with it and get out of her head so the queens are excused backstage to untuck while the judges deliberate and basically we just get the same <laughs> the same thing as what just happens like they go through all of the queens one by one again and like give more critiques so I don't know if you guys really want to hear me say all that again let me read through quickly see if there's anything particularly interesting nope um I guess the only thing <laughs> the only things I do want to point out is that uh, for Manila, um, Billy claims that there were some, like, bits of her routine that he hadn't heard anything, like, they hadn't heard before that were actually kind of original, and he references a joke that she made about Mr. Rogers and a mailman, but, like, that wasn't in the episode itself, so it's really frustrating that they would put it in this critique, like, they would even make a reference to it when we didn't get to see that happen. Um, and then the other thing that's kind of funny is that Rue compares Yara's uh, performance to Andy Kaufman, and he was like, that bitch was crazy! Um, also, Arden says that it could be a performance at the Whitney Museum, and then Rue goes to the Whitney and Bobby Museum, which is funny. Um, but I have been to the Whitney Museum one time, and when I went there, 
there was an exhibit that was like, ugh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but all I remember is it was made out of bologna, like it was a bunch of pieces of bologna, like nailed to this like structure, this like room, sort of room within a room, and it smelled bad, and it was weird, and yeah, it's like, yep, from what I know of the Whitney, I agree that that performance could be there. Um, and then, oh, the other thing that I did want to say is just, like, kind of what I've been saying with Delta, Michelle says, like, they said that her performance felt dark and a little sad, and Michelle says that she has a constant, like, air of sadness around her. So the queens come back in, and we are told who is safe and who is up for elimination. Um, so basically, Alexis and Raja are safe, then we hear that Manila is up for elimination, Shangela is announced the winner of the challenge, and then Yara and Carmen are safe, which puts Delta as the other person up for elimination, which I mentioned earlier in the episode. So at this point, they do their lip sync for their life. Um, the song is MacArthur Park by Donna Summers. This is a, a great lip sync. Delta's a little bit low energy, but Manila does a great job in this lip sync. Um, I highly encourage you to go look it up if you haven't seen it. Uh, just Google um, Manila Delta MacArthur Park lip sync. And it's just like Manila like makes all these really like crazy facial expressions, just like emoting and killing it. And then Delta just kind of falls flat. Um, I wouldn't say that it's, it's definitely not my favorite lip sync for your life, but it is one of the ones that's usually put in like a list of top five, or I don't know if it would be in top five now, maybe top 10. I would say that my, my number one favorite lip sync for your life, if you aren't familiar, if you want to go look it up, is between, um, Chi Chi and Thorgy Thor, and they did, uh, it was, I, and I'm telling you I'm not going, is that the name of the song? I think it's just I'm telling you. Anyway, it's so good, so emotional. Chi Chi does an amazing job, and there's this part where, like, she accidentally kind of stands on her strand of pearls as she's, like, kneeling down at one point, and then, like, she starts to get back up, and it's at this, like, really emotional crescendo of the song, and she, like, steps on her strand of pearls, and it, like, breaks and the pearls like fly everywhere as she's like emoting like it was so beautiful I honestly was brought to tears and I'm almost I'm almost getting choked up just talking about it because it was so good so that's my favorite lip sync for your life if you want to look it up oh and also um <laughs> Latrice Royale and Kenya Michaels to uh natural woman because again it's just like <laughs> Latrice is like so emotional and beautiful and then Kenya is just like bouncing around in the background like a hyperactive Pomeranian it's hilarious um, so they lip sync and then it is, uh, it's done. Rue says that is what a lip sync for your life is all about, which mm, I mean, like save that for the one where it's like too super high energy or like too super evenly matched, uh, competitors lip syncing because Delta didn't do that great of a job, but Rue says that Manila will stay and obviously Delta is going to go home, um, Manila and Delta are crying, uh, Raj is crying, Carmen's crying, like, all of the Heathers are sad. Manila's makeup is, like, running down her face, all, like, black streaks of mascara on her cheeks. And so, there is just some, some excellent camera work in this last little moment where, uh, Delta turns around, like, walks down the runway to leave, Raja stops her at the end of the runway and hugs her, Manila and Carmen, like, get up and join in on the group hug, and so, like, as the Heathers are all, like, hugging and it's this heartbreaking moment of them saying goodbye to one of their own the camera pans over to Shangela and she has the most devious smile on her face and it's just like mm, chef kiss perfect so amazing just like all of that effort of her putting in to like 
do the lineup that she felt like was going to, you know, kind of shake up her competitors, shake up the Heathers, and it worked out exactly how she wanted it to, and it ended with two Heathers, like, lip-syncing against each other and sending one of them home. So it's just, it's just beautiful. Um, so Delta has, like, a little exit interview, and she says that she's just glad she lost to a Heather and not one of the boogers. Um, and then Rue says, of course, like his other famous iconic lines, you know, if you can't love in yourself, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen? The queen say amen. Rue says, let the music play. The music plays. The queens all dance. And that's the end of the episode. <sighs> all right. <laughs> I told you this, guys, this episode is going to be so long, but you know what? You deserve it. So we'll go through the where are they nows pretty quickly. Um, I just want to say that... I didn't do RuPaul because I honestly I was just tired of writing notes by the time I got to the end of this um and there were so many queens that I'm going to try and touch on too like I want to do all of the queens instead so I'm going to do a ruse right now literally off the top of my head no research no notes on this how to take a sip of tea okay so Ru um since Drag Race has aired he has done several new albums like almost an album every single year does a ton of music he's judged Skin Wars which is on Game Show Network I think weirdly enough um he's on he uh hosted a a game show called Gay for Pay or Gay for Play I think (laughs) sorry Gay for Play um and that was kind of short-lived I think that was only on Logo I want to say that was in 2016 um he did I think it was like a plastic surgery show called Good Work um I know I never watched that so I don't know he has a podcast called What's the Tea with Mr. Shell Visage that I used to listen to I think that started in 2014 I listened to like probably a solid like 20 or so episodes when it first started airing but I I kind of like got over it also there's like a lot of hippy dippy woo woo bullshit and I'm I'm into some hippy dippy woo -woo bullshit like you've heard me talk about astrology before but they talk about some stuff that I really am like "Mm, I don't know about all that guys so he has a podcast um he's won Emmys I think I mentioned for like his work hosting drag race he has done a ton of stuff I guess I'm trying to think anything else I know he got married um in 2017 I believe in January 2017 to his long-term partner him and his partner have been together since like 1995 1994 1995 so they've been together a really long time finally got married in 2017 and yeah he's still hosting drag race obviously and it's like an empire like I'm sure he's doing better than ever as far as the queens go, um, Raja ended up winning season three. She went on to host Fashion Photo Review with Raven, one of those Wow Presents web shows. Um, she released a few like singles. Like all of these queens have released music, mostly. Um, her main single, her like number one single, was called Diamond Crown Queen. Was released in May twenty eleven, um, and then she got married on December fourteenth, twenty seventeen. So that's kind of nice. Oh, and some some little trivia in case you don't know. Um, Raja, if you are not aware, was actually the main makeup artist on America's Next Top Model from cycles 4 to 12. So uh, we've seen him before on ANTM. He's called Sutan, um, but it's just kind of like, that's it's funny. I, I remember um, <laughs> when I first started watching this season for the first time in, back in 2013 or whatever, um, 
I saw him come on stage and or they were talking about like how he was on uh dra- or top model and I was like oh my god I know him because like you know I used to watch top model all the time back in the day uh, so Manila, she was on All Stars One. She also came back for All Stars Four. Um, she did a commercial for Orbits, the travel site with Carmen Carrera and Shangela in twenty eleven. Um, in twenty twelve, Nini Momo, a Long Island based company specializing in posable fashion dolls, released a doll in her likeness, wearing her now famous pineapple dress that she wore during this season of Drag Race. Um, so that was also the first time a Drag Race contestant had been immortalized as a doll. She was also on a 2012 episode of MTV's Made, where she mentored a young man in the art of drag, so that's kind of fun. Uh, she's released music as well. Meh. <laughs> like, who cares? Uh, her music's not that great. Sorry, Manila. Um, but she did do a cover. I, I do genuinely enjoy this. Um, it's a cover of Lady Marmalade with Raja, Delta Work, and Carmen. They released it as The Heathers. And she also got married in December of 2017, got married December 24th. So what was that? 10 days after her good friend Raja. Yeah. Um, and she was actually married by an Elvis impersonator, which I just, I think is kind of hilarious. So Delta, um, oh, also this is just a fun fact that I didn't know about her, but her drag mother is actually Coco Peru, which is just like wild to me. Um, Delta has appeared on episodes of The Pit Stop and Fashion Photo Review. Uh, she was, in 2016, invited on stage by Adele, um, while in full drag as Adele. So that was, like, a photo that went viral. Um, she now works on Drag Race as a hairstylist and has received the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Hairstylist for a multi-camera series or special, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, she's, like, an Emmy winner now, which is great. Um, Carmen's done a lot, actually. So Carmen came out as trans after her season aired, and now she is a transgender model and advocate. Uh, she's done a few media appearances. She was on What Would You Do? She was like a trans server, kind of just like seeing what people would do, I guess. You know you know, you know, know what that show is? Um, also, she was on an episode of Cake Boss, but she was basically used as the butt of a joke, which is disgusting. Um, basically, like, she was supposed to go on a, a date with cousin Anthony, who was like the cousin of the cake boss. And then there's like, basically the punchline is like, that's a man, baby. But Carmen had originally only agreed to premiere on the show to promote transgen- like the trans community and awareness and equality and did not think that like she was going to be made the butt of a joke in any way. Um, so after the program aired, she like posted a Facebook status about it. Um, and then I eventually, like, that episode either got, I think got, like, pulled from syndication or, like, was going to be re-edited to take the joke out. The quote-unquote joke, because I don't really think that's a joke. I just think that's, like, a disgusting thing to say about someone. Um, and then she was uh, kind of, there was a little bit of notoriety. I guess, I don't know if notoriety is the right word, but she had a little bit of um, public interest, I guess, um, semi-recently as a petition circulated. Um, it, well, I guess it wasn't semi <laughs> And just looked at what year this was, and I was like, God, we're almost in 2020, and I'm just referencing something in 2013 as semi-recently. But that was, I kind of remember this happening. Um, she There was a petition to have her be the first uh, trans Victoria's Secret fashion model. But um, there was 14, there was 4,500 signatures on the petition. There was media cover, coverage, but ultimately it was unsuccessful. She also was in a domestic partnership with Adrian Torres. So she was in this relationship when she was on Drag Race. Um, 
In 2013, she had announced that they had separated, but in 2015, they were back together and they went on couples therapy. And then ultimately they wed on June 10th, 2015 during filming for the show Couples Therapy. So, you know, that's great. Shangela, oh my God, I just wrote so much, dear God. Like it was too much for me to write. Shangela has probably done the most out of everyone in this cast because she's like, a queen who does a lot of TV appearances, both like as a drag queen and just like as a a male actor. Um, so she's done TV, a lot of TV movies. She has music. She was in the movie Hurricane Bianca. And like most recently, you know, A Star is Born with fucking Lady Gaga. As we remember, she was on Dance Moms, but she was also on an episode of Toddlers and Tiaras, which is like kind of funny. I, I do not remember that happening. Um, and then she went on to be on All Stars 3 as well. Uh, so Alexis, Alexis was on All Stars 1 with Yara. Um, that's, uh, there's not a lot of interesting, I don't have anything else really interesting to say for Alexis. I feel bad. Um, sorry. So then, yeah, same thing for Yara. She was on All Stars 1. Um, and then she won Miss Congeniality in season 3. Also, she resides in Las Vegas currently, um, and then when she's not in drag, she works as a professional makeup artist. So that's it. That's the where are we now. <laughs> We're done. My throat is so tired. I'm so tired of talking. We're wrapping this up, guys. All right. Does it hold up? Is it worth a rewatch? Hell fucking yes. Oh my god. It's actually way better on the rewatch, in my opinion, because like I mentioned, I get really like caught up when I'm watching Drag Race or like when I was super into Drag Race. I would get really caught up with like the person that I was rooting for and I would kind of like excuse anything that they did poorly and then like really like you know root for them to win challenges and when they won a challenge even if I necessarily didn't like deep down in my heart didn't think that they deserved it I was like yes because I just wanted my person to win so it's good to go back when I don't have like such a stake in whoever's winning and just to like be able to enjoy the show for what it is um these early seasons too are just really fun to watch because it's like before the editors learned how to edit (laughs) like it was before they like learned how to like keep up with continuity so if you like really want to like get in deep with it um you can track when the talking heads were filmed because after I believe it's starting season five maybe even season six I'm not positive but starting in one of the mid seasons they have the queens wear the same exact outfit every single time whenever they film the talking head so that they can't like they can just edit it and splice it up and put the you know interviews wherever they want them to but um in these earlier seasons they're just wearing their outfits like from the day so if you pay close attention you can tell like what like what day they're talking about stuff and you can kind of tell when like the editors are being shady and putting stuff in where it wasn't meant to be um oh also something that happened this season uh I guess I'll just because I forgot to talk about this this is like uh, the big controversy and the reason that they, they switch to the um the live finales where they air the multiple endings is because this leaked like the the winner of the season leaked ahead of time so there's like a lot of um I don't know there's like a kind of a lot of mystery I guess just like in my opinion like I have some questions about like what the truth is and like who uh who found out what and when but it's said that whenever Mariah one of the season or one of the queens who left earlier in the season whenever she left she wrote on her mirror message congratulations Raja because she knew that Raja was gonna win so it's like 
how? Like, was it always planned out that Raja was going to win? Because truly, like, when it came down to it, the top three, they all had, like, the same number of winning challenges, like, really close to the same number of bottom twos. Um, So, somehow Mariah knew that. And then Perez Hilton, I believe, is actually the person who, like, leaked, leaked it to the press or I guess his own website or whatever, like, and said that Raja won ahead of the finale ever even airing. So that's why they eventually um, switched it to the finale that that way no one can leak it until it airs, basically. All right, guys, I think that's it. Uh, Hopefully this, you enjoyed this episode. This is a long one. I think this is the longest solo episode I've ever recorded because I have so much to say about Drag Race. Um, I'm just, I, I will say that I'm very happy that I recorded the first half of this episode on my lunch break in the car um, because I have been recording for so long now and having to stop and start all this evening. Um, so hopefully, hopefully this all stitches together pretty well because there's going to be like five individual parts of this episode. So um, hopefully there's, it all works out and you can't tell that like there aren't any long, awkward pauses between each of the sections, whatever. You get a long episode, you get my entire, like, background and history and, like, manifesto on Drag Race. So I hope you enjoy it. Okay, well, I hope everyone has a wonderful week. I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, Travel safe. Have a good, happy holiday. Um, Spend time with your family. If your family isn't great, spend time with people who love you regardless of who, like, especially, you know, since this is an episode about um, queer people, I just want to say that, like, if you are someone who has family that doesn't support you um, or you don't feel safe at home and the holidays are hard for you, just know that there are people out there who care about you no matter what. And I am one of those people. So I love you. You can always send me a message if you are lonely this uh, this Thanksgiving holiday. All right, guys. So please leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and all those other good places. Please review, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Snapback to Reality Podcast on Instagram at Snapback to Reality Pod, um, or my personal Instagram at really underscore Riley, R-Y-L-E-E is how you spell my name. Um, or if you want to email me, I'm at snapbackpodcast at gmail.com. All right, this episode has been way too long. I love you all so much. Have a wonderful week. I will talk to you soon. Goodbye.